Sunday, 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 right here on twitch.tv slash Echoplex Media. It's the Plex, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Pacific and on into red light. We have the worst news in the week that no one else will cover. The Plex has it all. Conspiracy, right-wing nut jobs, Christian extremism, and Madison Star Moon. Tune in every Sunday at 7 p.m. Pacific at twitch.tv slash Echoplex Media and find our full schedule at echoplexmedia.com. Yeah, 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 you effin' with some wet-ass P-word. P-word is female genitalia. <laughs> I'm white, and I've got everything I need. No one clutches their purses when they're in a room alone with me. Welcome to the Intellectual Dollar Tree. We do this live every Wednesday, 7 p.m. Pacific, right here on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Echoplex Media. Welcome live viewers. Welcome podcast listeners. Podcast listeners specifically, though, I got to talk to y'all. I got to talk to y'all. There's a lot of you that download this show and ain't none of you joining our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Echoplex. If you join at the $5 <laughs> level, you get the uh, audio recording straight off the board and you got our local video recording of the show, you know, without all the any problems that come from transmission it's a higher bit rate and whatnot and uh, you get that a day early so i don't know think about uh joining our patreon um because most of our money comes from twitch and uh, jeff bezos has taken half of that so anyway i'm producer dave and you can find me on grinder and i am hk perrin you can find me on mastodon at h at port 87 dot social uh, you can also find me on GitHub if you want to interact with my code and my open source projects at HParent on GitHub. Fantastic. Fantastic. You know, the band last night, they found us uh, because the drummer was actually actually a Port 87 social. That is super fucking cool. It's 
coincidence, I think. I didn't ask too much about it because we weren't there talking about Port 80. Well, I wasn't even hosting the show, which is most of the reason why I didn't ask about it. Chip was hosting the show. <laughs> but pretty cool. Yeah, Mastodon has been really awesome. Uh, basically, since I switched off of BirdSight, I've been uh, much more enjoying going on social media. Like I, I have not liked social media since probably around like 2019. Around 2019, I was just like, I don't like it. I'm going to try and get off of it. And then I started using my Facebook less and less. And then Facebook just banned me. So I was like... <laughs> you did steal their right. umbrella. <laughs> I did. <laughs> uh, and I've used Twitter less and less and less. And then like, uh, you know, I just haven't been on social media at all since... Or like hardly at all since 2019. Uh, and moving to Mastodon, it's like... It's like how social media was in the beginning. It's fun. It's nice. People are awesome. Or at least decent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wish I could get off Twitter, but I mean, I can't. Like, to, to, to do this show particularly, if I want to get interview guests mm -hmm. or, you know, if I want to dunk on Matt Walsh or whatever, which is probably how a lot of people find me. I mean, I have to be doing that on Twitter. But anyway, another person I like to dunk on and we haven't visited in a while is David Fuller. <laughs> So this is from a few months back, and this is another interview in which he basically won't just admit that he's naive and just thinks anybody who puts academic window dressing on what they're saying is smart. <clears throat> he's going to, this is what happened to Jordan Peterson. I can tell you what happened to Jordan Peterson. Beef <laughs> and Benzos and Beef Daughter happened to him. I mean, Jordan Peterson was never like good. He's always been shitty. Like since his, since fucking 12 rules for life. I guess since before that, I didn't really know him at all before that, but since 12 Rules for Life, he's been shitty. Oh, I got a thing over my face. Not anymore. I moved Oh, wait. Aw. <laughs> uh. You liked it? <laughs> yeah, put that back over my face. Fuck that. So anyway, we're going to watch him. So one of the things that I want to maybe bring up first before we do this is he, he's, he saw that he had made some mistakes with uh, getting like buddy buddy with brett weinstein and uh jordan peterson but now he's like buddies with these weird sense-making gurus like uh like jordan hall and daniel schmachtenberger and these people i think are like almost worse than jordan peterson and, and um brett <laughs> weinstein in a way and um we haven't dug too deep into them except for daniel schmachtenberger and i think we mostly just did that because that's one hell of a name it's hard to be worse than Jordan Peterson, though. I mean, the guy, like, praises Hitler. Yeah, uh, just in different ways, though. Anyway, here's a... This is from the Unheard podcast. Uh, fun fact, both of the people you'll see on screen here uh, the, in this piece of content we're watching have blocked me on Twitter for, <laughs> for different reasons. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Unheard Ideas. I'm Freddie Sayers. I'm here with David Fuller founder of Rebel Wisdom, which is one of our favorite YouTube channels, which sadly is coming to the end of its life, but you are continuing to explore Has been the for the past, like, what, year? Ideas. Mm -hmm. You have been... They did finally around. do their last thing. It was like a campfire video or something, but it was over Zoom. I don't know. It just it was just a, like a Brady Bunch list of all the pensioners he's been scamming out of five to $700 for Zoom calls. In the past week, because you came out with a long article about Jordan Peterson. Mm -hmm. This is someone who you could almost say was intimately involved with the rise of Rebel Wisdom. You did some early interviews with him and many of your 
fans came from his kind of world in, in 2017, 2018. And you've broken with him, basically. You, you wrote how you're no longer a fan or you no longer think that he is a positive contribution to the public debate. Tell us what your argument is. So, as you say, I first discovered Jordan Peterson in about 2017. I was hugely uh, taken with his thought and still... And mostly, mostly he probably liked the transphobia. Probably, yeah. I, I believe that's what everyone that flocked to him liked in, in 2017. That's like why he became popular. He was super transphobic. Still think that what he's saying about mythology, um, the Bible series, the Maps of Meaning lectures are really quite extraordinary contributions. And I no, they're not. Uh, no, they're not. You're just a sucker who gets fucking anybody who puts on an air of being intelligent and does it in like a certain like way with it, just the right amount of academic window dressing. This guy will fall for all kind of bullshit. <laughs> You know, if it would if it would get him to 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 pay me for like an interview, I could pretend to be, you know, the most intelligent and the most humble man in the world. I think right now that honor goes to uh, Eric Weinstein, but I could, you know, rescind that award from him and award it to myself instead. I think honestly, the humility award really if I'm not awarding it to myself, Really, what is it for? Because I am the most humble. <laughs> when Rebel Wisdom started, we were talking a lot about kind of the, the spiritual depth of his work, the religious depth of his work, more than the culture war side. And there were always multiple Jordan Petersons. There was the kind of culture warrior, obviously how he became famous through Bill C-16. But the through a lying about Bill C-16, sir. He found this incredible depth of thought and he was incredibly influential, probably became the world's most public most famous public intellectual in the last five years and i've described him as like the one man lightning rod for the culture war so an incredibly significant figure and significant story to understand and as i said there were multiple jordan petersons and we were really looking mostly at the kind of deeper mythology the, the deeper tr trends of his thoughts and what he was bringing into the culture which i still think as i said is hugely valuable and what parts of it were valuable not i like i don't <laughs> I, what does he mean? Parts of does, he probably just means uh, the interviews he did with Jordan, right? <laughs> probably. <laughs> yeah, I would say like out of Jordan's work, really, there was nothing valuable ever. Uh, anything that that I would agree with that Jordan has had to say in any like interview or book or anything was something so obvious anyway that like anyone could have said it, and many people did say it. Right, and anything novel he said pepper was, in the transphobia. Right, and anything novel he said was cuckoo birds. Yeah, was really tracking that kind of Jordan, that side of the Jordan Peterson, and what I felt has happened over the last five years, and completely understandably in a way, given there are a lot of unfair attacks on him, he was misrepresented a lot by the media. Which one is unfair? There's a lot of attacks on him, sure. Which one is unfair? I mean, we might be responsible for 1% to 2% of the things he calls attacks. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's not saying what what is an unfair attack on Jordan Peterson. I think that he probably like, means calling him a bigot. These people hate that. All of these, like, I call them the very smart people club. And I, to some extent, tried <laughs> to court online friendships with some of them. And I found out that was a mistake. 
uh, because the very smart people club will never say that like Jordan Peterson is an anti-queer bigot, right? Even though he very obviously is. That's that's his claim to fame. I mean that and yeah. that and like writing his name in crushed up benzodiazepine before panko crusting a steak <laughs> with it and eating the steak by its, eating the steak in the benzos and nothing else. In 2018, and telling you to clean your room. A kind of filter for free thinkers. Back Which I need to do. I got a bunch of stuff over here that's all like clutter. Community. <laughs> I found they they weren't the typical young young lost man as the kind of media media kind of narrative would would say it there were a lot of people from all different backgrounds so he was a filter for free thinkers except not a lot of women were in his audience like just not a lot of women and not a lot of <laughs> queer people so it was just a lot of and the the myth that he was mostly talking to like young men okay that's pretty yeah yeah it's like that's it, going to be a lot of people probably in my age cohort that were attracted to jordan peterson if you would like do the metrics mm-hmm uh, to the extent that there were any women in his audience, they were probably there with their boyfriend nudging them in the in the arm going, can we fucking leave? This guy is awful. It smells weird in here, sweetie. Can we go? I've seen over the last five years. And again, it's completely understandable given his health issues, given what's happened to him and many of the unfair attacks. He's become more and more of a polarizing figure. And I argue in the piece. No, he was a polarizing figure now. in the beginning. He started out lying about a bill that was trying to protect trans people right and it was just adding trans people to a list of already existing protections too and not for nothing it was gender and gender identity so it protected cis people too yeah resembles the caricature that the worst of the media portrayals made him out to be which, what is that what is that caricature that um, formerly you would have defended him from and now you think is accurate he he now looks to me like the angry right winger just stoking one side of the culture war without the nuance that I felt he was bringing before. He used to talk about the value of the left and the value of the right. And there was this sense of him. I, I felt he was trying to synthesize. Yeah, but he, while he was doing that, he would just shit all over the left and, and he'd never shit on the right. He would shit and especially trans people, just especially trans people. Yeah. Like you can't say like. Yeah, there's there's a lot of value on both the left and the, uh, so much value. Look at all this value here. But then you look at how bad the left is and it's just, oh, it's just so bad. Just so, 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 so bad. So what's the logical conclusion here? So like, I think that's what, not being fair. I think what that's did the opposite of fair. I think what did happen with a lot of these kind of cult like online communities that maybe pushed things into like a, a talking about them in like a left right way was that the people going after Jordan Peter, there were plenty of good conservative arguments against the fucking nonsense he was saying, right? You didn't have to be a lefty or a liberal to know <laughs> that like the old drawings of a snake didn't mean shit about people knowing anything about DNA or like any of the like very <laughs> non-scientific science claims he made, right? You don't have to be a liberal or a lefty. Yeah. It's just, it's just that not just him, but also like just conspiracism more broadly, the people on that dystopia beat are, tend to be leftists, not just like shit libs, but leftists. And I don't know why that is. Um, I think like a lot for maybe because the conspiracy theories tend to be um, anti-Semitic or whatever that is for the conspiracy uh, 
like the anti-conspiracy people, but the anti-IDW people, I don't know where like the sensible, like moderate conservatives were on that shit. Cause the fucking word salad is word salad. No matter like, no matter what you believe about like the size and role of government, you know? Yeah. Which understands that each kind of archetype has a positive side and a negative side, and there was really deep. But I, when did he talk about, about that? Needs each other, and over time, what I, I mean, I know he did like, like a eighteen billion hours of content, but I swear, like that was not a thing that Jordan Peterson was leaning on in any meaningful way. Yeah, uh, like what you were talking about. Uh, he started off much more talking about like, uh, like. Uh, christian philosophy uh like i remember basically like we watched very early on in uh intellectual dollar tree we watched uh a speech that he gave that was basically just all like rehashed christian philosophy from the last like three or four hundred years it was like very unoriginal uh very uh very easily uh countered and has been countered right and then we watched matt dillahoney basically tell him that yeah (laughs) yeah that was great fantastic (laughs) if anybody hasn't seen dillahoney versus jordan peterson it was so good because i think jordy pete thought he was going to go in there because it's like a new atheist type right he thought he was going to go in there and just kind of kind of elbow elbow bump about culture war shit and matt wasn't matt was not there to do that I found is that he steered more and more into <coughs> tickling the funny bone of, of of the right only and much less of a synthesizing figure and that's not just my view I've also because of the, the shared history with, with Jordan Peterson and the documentaries that I put out about him um, I've also been part of a lot of the Facebook groups that were set up around his thoughts tracking the reddit threads and there's been a real shift in his audience so that was partly what I was saying is that there seems to have been a split between the people who are really still into him because of the culture war and just want to see him kind of bashing the left and the people who who were into him for the deeper kind of mythology the 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 philosophical side of his thought and many no. of them have been repelled by a lot of the more recent content that seems much more angry uh much more um yeah much less attempt to kind of to to steer a path in the culture war so you're disappointed by this you 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 would have hoped that he would have stayed above the frame or or not picked a side in this way you're it's a charge that he should answer in some way he he clearly picked a side and he clearly believes that he's right to have picked a side he clearly believes that the the situation he picked a side from the beginning though should pick a side and needs to pick a side and i cannot i can understand why he sees it that way like no one no one thought that jordan peterson was a leftist in 2017 we all knew he was just some new right-wing reactionary yeah, he would self-identify for a while. It was like, oh, you know, I'm a liberal. And it's like, well, I don't care. It's the same shit that fucking Sam Harris keeps telling you he's a liberal. And then you're like, but what are you doing? <laughs> like, what do you mean? <laughs> I don't give a fuck. What are you doing? Like, at best, he's leaning right from the beginning. But I would say he was hardcore right from the beginning on most issues. Right. Certainly on any culture issue, he was all the way to the right. 
I don't know about his like fiscal policies, but I don't think he talks much about his fiscal policies. No, he. Does, I mean, we don't talk about that stuff either, but we're not like nobody's over here pretending that this is like a moderate channel either. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. We don't have yeah. people. We don't have people running around being like, actually, these people are kind of moderates. And uh... <laughs> it's like, come on. Jordan Peterson was playing hide the ball, but the ball was made of benzodiazepine and then he ate it. Other people see it that way as well. But the problem is in picking a side and being so vitriolic and I wonder, I mean, I'd be, I'd advise people to go and have a look at the, the piece that he released after his Twitter ban, which was quite really, really off putting. It was a fascist fucking screed. Just these, these guys that, that none of these people, they're like, oh, it's partisan. It's culture war. They want to use all these different words and they don't want to call this shit what it is. Like Jordan Peterson's a fucking bigot. And once he, mm-hmm. once he was, once he kind of went completely mask off with it, it wasn't that Fuller cared about, cared about the bigotry. I don't think it now that it's like Fuller can't pretend that that isn't what it is. And so it's harder for his particular brand to be associated with someone like Jordan Peterson. That's all that happened. Yeah. I mean, he was a bigot from the beginning. Like it was, it was obvious to anyone who was paying attention. I guess it took David a, a long enough time to figure it out that now he's like, oh, Jordan Peterson changed. It's like, no, he didn't. You just recognized him. The way he was talking about Elliot Page. Okay, so let's actually look at the evidence. So first of all, he tweeted something that has led to him being banned or suspended unless he deletes the tweet. Let's have a look at it. So he says, remember when pride was a sin and Ellen Page just had her breasts removed by a criminal physician. Then he yeah, David was... Fuller, David Fuller, call him a transphobe, call him a bigot, or just shut the fuck up because it doesn't matter what you're doing here. That that tweet was probably, I would say, it was the most disgusting tweet I've ever seen. It's, it's uh, the amount of vitriol and bigotry he crammed into two sentences is astounding. A New York Post article about Elliot Page, which is the new name of the actor who is stars in Umbrella Academy and is now a man. Mm. What's your take on this message? Yeah, so this was kind of the inciting incident for him being uh, suspended from Twitter. I want to make the point that this was sort of the culmination of quite a lot of tweets, um, including one uh, overweight swimwear model. And but, this oh, but she's not over. She, she's a fucking. She's a professional athlete. Get the fuck out of here. She's just not what you think a woman should look like. That's uh uh-uh. uh. That lady's a professional athlete. She. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't even want to get into it. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. But that lady could fuck that lady, man. She is. She, you you want to you want to do a, you want to race her, dude? You want you want you want to see who could run run down the block quicker, Dave? You want to you want to have her chasing you sometime, Dave? Suspended. After this, he then released a long piece on his YouTube channel about this that I would, I would call more of a rant. Um, Got a little excerpt of it here. And I'm not taking down that tweet or acknowledging it's, my It is not a rant. It is a bigoted diatribe. The Twitter rules. Up yours, woke moralists. We'll see who cancels who. So here, the first thing that strikes you is Mm. the kind of setting. He's now got this very quite well-produced, well-lit 
black background with, yeah. with a kind of halo light effect. Mm. Pinstripe sort of mobster suit. Mysterious. Mobster is not the first thing I think One of, of the commenters will tell us what it stands for. <laughs> and then he's, he's angry. Is yeah. that what you're noticing? He, he's, he's quite fierce. Yeah, I mean, I think the aesthetics are... He's just mean. We'll talk about that in a moment. But I'm more interested in the, the tone of his discussion of Elliot, Ellen, Page. No, Elliot. Elliot no. Page. Yeah. Elliot Page. You can... There are limited circumstances under which you could use someone's dead name. Like, if you're, like, the stars of this movie, and then you read it, and then you go, oops, that's that person's dead name. Nobody's going to come after you, right? Because you're just reading off of something. Yeah. But otherwise, like, just use the name. He's not going to say it. He's not going to say that this kind of bigotry is unacceptable, and I don't like it. And that's, like, that's the easy... That's the fucking good answer. Yeah, I would say... uh Especially right now, if you are okay with transphobia, then you are a transphobe, period. Right. It's like if you, it's the old, the old adage, if five Nazis are having dinner and you join them, now there's six. Yep. <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> you know. The entire, and I, I wonder about playing that clip, and he talked about, the he defended the criminal physician's statement by saying, well... The, the Nazi doctors, were they criminal or not? Like that kind of language. Well, they weren't just, criminal under the regime they were under, but then they fucking, you know, then they, some of them got put in front of the Hague for crimes against humanity. You can't fucking legislate crimes against humanity away. I <sighs> think that's going to appeal to people who are already on his side of the aisle. It's not going to persuade anyone who is not already bought into his 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 argument already his argument like again they won't fucking say it and like this is one of the problems i have with people there's people i generally i genuinely generally like the gurus pod guys they do this shit too they don't fucking they won't just be like no that was extremely bigoted and like we don't you know that's you know we're you know we're kind people and we don't talk that way and we think we find it appalling None of these people will just say something like that. They're like, I, I prefer to be kind, and I find this appalling. Yep. Yeah, Jordan Peterson's argument, quote-unquote here, is that trans people shouldn't exist. So, Jordan Peterson can go fuck right off. And David Fuller, too. Yep. And this unheard guy, too. But to be fair, the unheard guy has gone to... You, you, you kind of hear him slowing down every time he said El, Elliot Page's name. The unheard guy didn't dead name Elliot. The unheard guy's a giant piece of shit. And I don't understand how someone who's a criminal, sorry, who's a clinical psychologist. No, I like the other one. No, you can say criminal. Have something, <laughs> I don't know how you can have this conversation. Jordan you know, Peterson's going to throw around the word criminal to describe people who do gender affirming <laughs> care of the week and call him a criminal too. Fuck it. If ever, that now everybody's a criminal. I mean, he was abusing benzos, which is you know, objectively criminal. Not that it should be. Right. I completely disagree that it should be, but in that way, he's a criminal. Yeah, yeah. Also, like, not for nothing, like, he probably went doctor shopping, which is also illegal. Yep. Having some empathy for people who are going through gender dysphoria. Like, 
if, if you're only going to take a fully combative attitude to this, one of the most difficult topics to talk about in the culture right now. Why? Why is it difficult? It's I because of you. I don't see how you're going to be able to do that without some, without some nuance, without some compassion, unless you're only trying to appeal to one side of the culture war. It's a very delicate argument to have. And I think... But or if your character is really shitty because you're a bigot or you're a bigot because your character is really shitty like what that's also an option that's, <laughs> that requires the fewest assumptions actually oh look he's being thoughtful <laughs> is starting to be one um as a, as a as a journalist as well like even the new york times just recently a couple of weeks ago had a, an article by i think emily Bazelon, mm. that was the first time that you'd seen the New York Times, which previously had a really blanket kind of ideological position of trans women are women, and that's all there is to say. They had this long article that I think was eight months in the making that finally kind of conceded a lot of the questions that people have been raising for a long time about the ideology. What? And things are starting to shift. Like, and that's, I think, how things shift in, in the culture, not through just simply stoking one side of the culture war. And I think Peterson at his best and Peterson five years ago would have been more interested in that sort of synthesis or that. Except kind of five years ago when we learned about him, it was because he came out and lied about the fucking contents of Bill C-16 specifically because he was like, I don't want to be forced to use somebody's pronouns. And then they said, well, would you? And he said, yes, because he didn't want to get fired at that point. So <laughs> Did he? I thought he said no. No, he said yes. He said he just doesn't want to be forced to. I remember the thing that he specifically said, which is, first of all, absolutely wrong. And second of all, extremely transphobic was saying that using someone's uh, like purposefully misgendering someone. So using the wrong pronouns, using their dead name, something like that, purposefully misgendering someone, he said, does not harm them at all. You know, not not mentally, not emotionally, not physically. And like, I'll agree, it doesn't harm them physically. But if someone were to constantly refer to me as a woman, I would be pretty fucking miffed. Not because being a woman is bad. It's just because they're doing because they're clearly doing because I'm not a woman. Yeah. And they're clearly doing it to piss you off. Yeah. So like, you know, if I were a trans person who identified as you know, some gender and someone constantly misgendered me, I would be upset at that. Rightfully so. Cause all you're doing by constantly misgendering someone is you're just telling them, I don't respect you. That's what you're doing. Right. Of nuanced argument. And increasingly now I just see him not being interested in the nuanced argument at all. Just kind of pressing the tickling the funny bone of, one side of the culture you, you've said that three times already like that and i don't believe that's that's his fundamental orientation but i do think and this is what i'd love to come to later in the conversation is the impact of being of social media and audience capture and all of these dynamics that that warp us and make us into more extreme versions of ourselves which is what we've seen with so many public intellectuals not just jordan peterson over the last name them. five years or so like this is something i think Hmm. So many people from, uh, without naming any names. Though. Well, let's Just, let's name some. Um, I mean, Russell, who else? Russell Brand. <laughs> um, Russell Brand. Now, if you look at his YouTube channel, it's very clickbaity titles. It's very following the the YouTube audience. It's much more conspiratorial. It's much more um, 
It's perfectly calibrated for a YouTube audience. The nature of audience capture, particularly on YouTube, is that Russell Brand was uh, need, like comments par particularly sad for me because I used to really like the guy back in like my high school years, like 15 years ago. I used to really like the guy. No, more than 15 years. Uh, I'm aging myself uh, or dating myself, whatever. Anyway, I used to like Russell Brand. Turns out he's a shitbag. So. I was really sad about that. Well, you know, the thing about him is he doesn't need the money either, right? He, you know, he was in a lot of movies and stuff, but I'm pretty sure like Jordan Peterson doesn't need the money anymore either. I could, I could see like, yeah. like I have more sympathy for somebody like Jeremy or the quartering because he needs the money. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No, that's just yeah. versus these people no, I, who I, don't. I, I know what you mean. <laughs> thread that creates moral the of the story is don't like anyone bubbles and i think it has a a warping effect on creators i know this myself I, maybe you do as well as having a youtube channel on on you know the unheard youtube channel it starts to warp and i feel it in myself like there are certain topics that i know that i am wary about talking about or talking about in, in a particular way or self-censoring and feeling kind of dragged more and more towards what the audience wants and the difficulty in calibrating. I don't think people recognize, I think people realize now with films like The Social Dilemma, how toxic social media can be, how it brings out the worst in us, our narcissism, our tribalism, all of these, all of these issues, because it encourages us to keep coming but back. But then in, that being the case, the only thing to do is to lean into that and uh, acknowledge it. And I think we do an okay job of that, especially on this show. Uh, I don't know if the audience drags us more left or we drag the audience more left. I'm not sure. This show, we, I mean, I, I, <clears throat> I put the, I put the brakes on you a lot of times when you get, when you start talking left, right <laughs> politics, actually we have whole ass other shows where you can do that. Um, but, <laughs> but, I, you know, I, I don't think we're going to, we don't have a big enough audience to worry about audience capture at this point, but, um, yeah, <clears throat> also like, I don't know. I just kind of lean into it and people go, Oh, you're biased. I'm like, Oh, you figured it out. You know, <laughs> it's like, thanks. Good job, dude, in the chat. Thanks for figuring out that I am a biased person. You are a fucking genius. If we're involved in an argument and it polarizes and splits society, I don't think people yet realize how impactful that is on creators, on people who are, and now because the institutions are increasingly failing, more and more people are getting their their news their opinion but like what he's saying right now first of all that's not what happened to jordan peterson he started off transphobic mm -hmm. from the beginning he was transphobic so his audience didn't drag him into transphobia he was already there but secondly even for someone who who didn't start off that way and their audience did drag them that's not an excuse right that's their fault yeah you can't say like oh well uh your honor i may have murdered that guy but a lot of people were telling me to do it and i made a lot of money by doing it so <laughs> let me off the hook you see my patreon <laughs> rather than institutions so the characteristic of those individuals the psychological flaws of those individuals the way they communicate what they say what they don't say all of that suddenly is is relevant and so we're in a we're in a world where suddenly we're in a world of sort of shifting sands and also where we're increasingly seeing a kind of polarizing uh, effect of the audience that makes people into more and more extreme versions of themselves 
or and I would say that's that's what I think has happened to Jordan Peterson is that he was. But this has actually always been the case. Like, just think of let's not not even let's not talk about punditry punditry right. Let's talk about the lead singer of a band. The audience went there for a fucking show, and if they belt it out, but they're just standing there looking bored because that's kind of their normal disposition. Well, the show's not going to be as good, so they fucking turn it on, <laughs> right? Because that's what you do if you're a performer. And that's, this is the same dynamic they're performing right now. I'm performing, you know, I'm trying to be like true to generally who I am on the show, but right now I'm, you know, I'm a performer. I'm an entertainer right now to the extent that this shit is entertaining. Um, <laughs> but like, like the idea, like this isn't some revelation. They used to, yeah. they used to have people be extreme versions of themselves in like gladiator fights. That was a long time ago. Yeah. And you can't look at that video of Jordan Peterson sitting there, you know, with the lighting and his suit and think he's not trying to perform. Right. Like he's absolutely trying to perform. It took him like time to set that up as a performance. And right. he probably planned that since before the tweet. At least like the, 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 the backdrop and stuff. Yeah, for sure. You know, backdrop <laughs> people have them they do plan their performance and if you're going to put on a performance you may as well fucking plan it uh, I should go grab my green screen and put it up <laughs> synthesis perspective five years ago and has just steered more and more into what more of the audience wanted which was just being a culture warrior just being a culture warrior not attempting to kind of um, yeah not attempting to, to communicate beyond his own side would he not say, and I should say we have asked him to be here and discuss this with us, and hopefully he will. Would well, he not say, no, he's not. What do you mean? Oh, you mean without David Fuller there to criticize him? Oh, the light criticism from David Fuller would make me throw up. It's not culture warrior or audience capture so much as just realizing what his position is. Mm. You know, from an initial kind of agnostic <laughs> searching role, he increasingly maybe has felt confident what he believes to be closest to the truth mm. and therefore thinks it's virtuous and necessary mm. to fight that battle. Yeah. I mean, what's wrong with that if that's what he would say? Yeah, and I imagine he would also say you don't realize things are really much more urgent than they were five years ago and that's why I'm responding to it. Don't you realize what's going on in Canada now with the creeping authoritarianism, all of these issues? and. Of course, there's going to be. But how can he like, how can David say that, like, this is the issue now when Jordan Peterson fucking started off saying that, right? It was the that's the, why he became famous. This know, he, is just his greatest hits album, right? Like, like it would be like, well, you know, uh, the intellectual Dollar Tree, you know, at the beginning, like they, they weren't even I mean, they weren't making fun of any of these people like I don't. You know, I, I don't know. These, these guys sure changed. Like, <laughs> yeah, you guys changed so much since you started making fun of Sam Harris. <laughs> I'm funnier probably now. <laughs> I mean, the show's probably better now, but, you know. Oh, man. I think our first episode was making fun of Sam Harris. It was. So. I'm based in the UK. I've got a different experience than, than he does being in Canada. But I just don't see how you're going to, even if you believe that these are the most important issues in the world, I don't know how you think you're going to persuade anyone without, with, with, with basically yelling at them. 
Like, how, how has that ever worked in an argument when you're talking to someone when you're not trying to kind of... It's not about persuading people, though. Like, like how does he not realize this? Jordan Peterson isn't trying to persuade anyone. Jordan Peterson has a fan base. The fan base is transphobic. That's why they like him, because he's transphobic. He started off transphobic, and he's transphobic now. He'll never not be transphobic as long as they're shoveling money at him. Right, but that's not... But And that's his fault, still. Yes, yeah. To be clear, that is wrong. Uh, but how does he not see that Like he's not trying to make an argument? Jordan Peterson isn't trying to convince anyone. I mean, to the extent that Jordan Peterson is trying to convince anyone of anything, it's to give him money. And all he has to do to do that for these right-wing nut jobs is to just put out more transphobic content, which is what he does. And he's really good at it. He's especially good at being a horrible, despicable human being. He is especially good at that. And not for nothing, the term transphobia or bigotry hasn't come up once in these people's conversation. They haven't named the problem. Yep. They're all afraid to do that because it's a character, uh, like a character assessment. And these people hate that shit. Very smart. And they're people. talking about Jordan Peterson like he's not doing exactly what he's been doing the whole time. Like, this is the issue that they have, that he's being transphobic right now, and they're not going to acknowledge that he fucking started that way. To be fair, they're not even going to acknowledge that they have a problem with transphobia to the extent that they yeah. do, if they do. Yeah, they're just saying, oh, well, he's not, he's not making good arguments anymore. This is, I just don't see, even if you think this is the most important issue in the world, I don't think bringing that into your delivery and 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 intensely kind of yelling at people is the way to do it. And I, I think back in the day before he was consumed by this culture war dynamic. And again, like I have huge empathy for and admiration for Jordan Peterson for what he brought back in 2017. And by that, he means viewers to his channel, pensioners who would <laughs> uh, pensioners who would pay him seven hundred dollars for a hyperventilation class. And I understand. I mean, it. He, as I said, the one man lightning rod for the culture war, you can't go through what he's gone through without without have it, that having some effect. So it, it's and it feels uncomfortable talking about him because he's well, a, like, he's what a was the effect? Person. I've only met him twice. Like, did he uh, become more transphobic? Like, is he trying to say that, like, Jordan Peterson went from this, like, kind, loving and caring and accepting person to this horrible monster? No, he was already the horrible monster. Right, it's just David You had him on your show, David Fuller, when he was a horrible monster. More than once. So, yeah. like, don't, like, try and sit here and say, like, Jordan Peterson's changed and now I don't like him anymore. No, he became too toxic for your brand is what happened. Right, right. And, yeah, my God. Contact, um because of the, the two documentaries that I, that I did and the amazing coincidence that he was on Channel 4 News where I used to work for 10 years and then rose to fame with the interview with Kathy Newman. So there's kind of a real shared history. Um, and I feel as uncomfortable talking about him because he's a real, he's a, he's a person. He's a person I've met. He's a person everyone has sympathy for because he's been so open wait, about his struggle. Wait, everybody, I don't have any sympathy <laughs> wait. for Jordan Peterson. 
Yeah, I have zero sympathy for Jordan Peterson. None at all. In fact, I think I have negative sympathy for Jordan Peterson. If if that's possible, is that possible? I don't. I if don't it's know. not possible, well, then I'm transcending the possibility of <laughs> not having negative uh, or having. You know what I mean? <laughs> you're, you're you're transcending sympathy. Yeah. <laughs> it actually uh might your transcendence of sympathy might actually dis- distort space and time. <laughs> that's part of what people identify with it is that he's a real he's, person he's falling short you feel like it's, fair it's to not say. for me to judge whether he's falling short all i can say is like my experience and what i've seen with the the different groups of people who've been tracking his trajectory i would say universal the universal response to the article that i put out from the people that i re- respect recognize and have connected with over the trajectory of jordan peterson has been thank you for saying this mm. No one's saying it because he's now such a kingmaker, because he's now got... No, tons no, no, no. of people uh, were my, saying it. My response always to Jordan Peterson has has been, fuck you for saying this. Right. It, that, well, he's saying that people thanked him for saying things about Jordan Peterson. And when he, he caveated oh, okay. it with people, oh, the people I respect, you know, this and that, weren't saying any of this, like, you know, out loud. It's like, well, that doesn't mean nobody was saying it. Just because you don't respect the intellectual dollar tree and only blocked me when I mentioned that you were taking a bunch of money from pensioners. Um, and you don't respect Sam Cedar. You all are afraid, scared to death of Sam Cedar. You don't, re- you don't respect David Pakman. You don't respect the people at the Young Turks. You don't respect the countless journalists, many of whom have been women and queer people who have been writing about the trajectory of Jordan Peterson this whole time. You respect intellectual dark web dorks. And sense makers. So much, so much power because the nature of the alternative media is this kind of invisible hierarchy of status where people are hopeful that they might get him on their podcast or they'll be on his podcast. People don't, the, the alternative media, people don't speak out. They, there's, there's not, there's so many corrupting factors in the alternative media. There's so many corrupting facts in the mainstream media as well. Like this is one of the reasons that Jordan Peterson has been successful, Rebel Wisdom has been successful, Unheard has been successful, is that there is, the media became corrupt and became a kind of um, parody of truth-seeking, but there's real problems in the alternative as well. Mm-hmm. Well, I want, just, to, I want to come on to the yeah. whole question of the alternative media and, yeah. and whether that can be fixed, but just to finish on Jordan Peterson. We actually had Dave... Nobody Rubin wants to finish on Jordan Peterson. Jordan Peterson. We actually had Dave Rubin on this show, and I was asking very similar questions to what you're saying. I said, mm-hmm. well, you know, you used to be this sort of open-minded, intellectual dark web character, and now I think he would and did openly say he's very much a conservative. He has a very clear view of the world, and he's fighting to win. And he said that. He said, basically, that he's given up on the existing institutions mm-hmm. as being fair arbiters for these sort of struggles. And he thinks whole new institutions need to be created. And there reaches a point, and I think maybe Jordan Peterson has got to a similar place, where it becomes about winning. Mm. And he, they think that the contribution they can make is bigger and more impactful mm. to be fighters on one side. I mean, I guess I have to ask, what's wrong with that? Maybe that is true. Maybe. But the, this guy's like. almost taking his own agency out of this because this guy we don't follow do much of this because i don't think this guy's a good interviewer and he's like like the 
like the fucking C or D team of the IDW, right? Whereas David Fuller's like the B team. <laughs> and um, but he only interviews it it's the trigonometry thing, right? Where he like ninety percent of his interview guests are like right wing culture warriors. And then he acts like he has no agency in that and that he is has is not part of that uh, like ecosystem because he's just the interviewer. It's the same shit Constantine Kissin tries to say. Like that that he's just interviewing these people and that he doesn't, you know, endorse or answer for them. And it's like, well, if all you're doing is an interview show, you know, what, what are we supposed to do here, buddy? Like, what are we supposed, where, where are we supposed to draw our conclusions from? Uh, and, and he and constant, uh, Constantine, what's his last name? Kissing. Yeah. Uh, they both like through their interviews of these people, all they're doing is propping them up and trying to make them look good. Well, everybody's propping everybody else up, right? It's like a all, 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 all dumb ships rise with the dumb water. <laughs> but like, if you're just tossing softballs the entire time, if you're not being critical of someone during an interview like this, then, you know, all you're doing is promoting them. Right. And that's, that's, that's the question that nobody ever, like David Fuller's not going to take an interview with somebody who's going to ask him, well, aren't you part of this problem? Didn't you help build the thing? Even Chris Cavanaugh from decoding the gurus, it doesn't ever ask these fucking people that and he'd be the most likely one that they will talk to who'd ask that. But I don't know. I don't know. It, it might, you know, you might be sad because the kind of, you know, lofty, sort of liberal-minded character is no more, but maybe he is more useful to the world as a combative member of one side. I don't think that's true. I mean, you look at, I understand why, I mean, Dave Rubin is another good example, but Dave Rubin, as far as I can tell him, has kind of vanished from the conversation by picking a side. <laughs> I, I don't see him being... That would be news to Dave Rubin. Right? <laughs> and to be fair, just because you won't talk to Dave Rubin anymore because you realize that he is incredibly stupid, which you won't say, doesn't mean that he's vanished <laughs> from the conversation. He's more popular than ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, even more so would be news to Dave Rubin's fans. Right. He's just I mean, honestly, there are a lot of things that are obvious to you and me that are probably news to Dave Rubin, but that's a whole different conversation. <laughs> a very small echo chamber of people on on his side of the aisle. I don't see like Dave Rubin. Wh where is he now? Like he's not part of the conversation. Jordan Peterson was. Um, and I, under I understand why they've if that's where Jordan Peterson has ended up, I've not heard him say that explicitly. For a long time back in 2017, 2018, he was being framed as being a right winger and he would say, I'm not a right winger. I'm not a, he, he's, he's on record as saying, I'm being framed as a right winger and I'm, I'm not. I'm yeah, he would say that, but he acted just like a right wing reactionary. <clears throat> and Jordan Peterson being a Christian should know the, you know them by their deeds. So like, you know, if I'm, if I'm just like, if I'm currently hacking someone to death with an ax and David Fuller asks me, oh, are you an ax murderer? And I say, oh, no, no, no. A lot of people are framing me as an ax murderer, but I'm not an ax murderer. This is actually David a hatchet. Fuller just be like, oh, he's not an ax murderer then. Yeah, that's technically a hatchet. <laughs> <laughs> the conversation. If he has decided, 
All right, fine. I'll right, settle for that. Hatchet all, murderer. All we can do now is is fight. I I don't think that I don't think that works. I don't think that's how you persuade people. I guess I still have a, a faith that um, that there is still an opportunity for for dialogue, and I don't see that happening. So I wonder whether this is actually a symptom of as you call them, incentive structures, audience mm. capture, features of the new media ecosystem. Well, you'd think that a person who's a psychologist would be aware of those things. <laughs> just a guess. <laughs> just a, just putting that out there. Social media, mm. feedback loops, etc. Or whether it's just a human reality. And maybe it was always like that. Um, we are built to form groups. In fact, I'm sure Jordan Peterson would agree with that. And it's very deep in our way of thinking. And that's how we're at our best in some ways. You need to be surrounded by people who, to some re re degree, reflect back what you think and that you can kind of grow together with some kind of coherence. And you form tribes, you form groups of thinkers or warriors or whatever they are. And that's how human beings have always progressed. So maybe the kind of liberal or the but like the logical question to it. ask for that would be is that good i mean what he's saying here isn't wrong um no i i agree with him but the question would be is that good i think is like, it good to do that is it good to be excessively tribal or tribal at all is it good to be tribal i think that we are the descendants of people who would have died if they weren't tribal Sure, but does that mean that we should be tribal? Uh, to a certain extent, you know, we should be. You know, you should care about your family. You should care about your community. But should we be so tribal that, you know, we we silo ourselves off from from anyone that we don't agree with? Like, I, I think the tribalness, tribality... I think the tribality of people can sometimes be excessive and we should be teaching people how to be less tribal. Trying to understand all sides is actually quite an unnatural, hard position to sustain for very long mm. because it's quite inhuman and eventually it becomes too exhausting mm. and you feel like there's something more flowing and profound <laughs> about sort of picking a team. Mm. Maybe it's not social media. Maybe it's just human beings. But I would say the two things are not mutually exclusive. It is human beings. It is psychology. The nature of social media is that Silicon Valley has got these incredibly sophisticated tools to mine our psychology and to prey on our tribalism, to magnify our tribalism. The issue is the for Silicon Valley, it was just Madison Avenue, baby. It ain't nothing new. Are effective in groups of mixed temperament and mixed ability. That's the, the idea. Tribalism is actually a, an existential threat because it's splitting us off into camps of different of perspectives rather than allowing us to come together. That's why we have the different temperaments, which is, again, something in a way I took from Jordan Peterson, was that by those different temperaments, those different abilities, were um, on the left to be more open, on the conservative side to be more um, disciplined, more conscientious, we, are, we have to come together in groups of these mixed temperaments. What we're seeing is increased polarization, increased fragmentation by social media, mining our innate biases and fragmenting us off into groups where I think we become ineffective. 
and, and society itself, I think, is breaking down, particularly in America. I think we're in a different position here in the UK and I have more hope. I think there is a civil space in the UK outside the culture war, outside the sense of politicization and fragmentation. In America, I don't think there is. I think America is in a very dark place. And I just see stuff like this as, as adding to it, as fueling it. And I don't see the kind of... Peterson used to talk a lot about like the danger of dehumanizing language, the danger of... Oh, shut the uh, fuck up. Peterson was always using dehumanizing language against queer people the whole time. Yep. That's how he got famous. These unexamined kind of disgust. And yet I'm picking up a huge amount of disgust, a huge amount of borderline dehumanizing language in a lot of what he's putting out at the moment. And I don't see... He has said before, I don't know how you resolve those kind of divisions in anything short of conflict. And I think he's fueling one side of the conflict. I think that's effectively, if he's decided that's what needs to happen, what, he's decided that actually, he and Dave Rubin decided that what's required is actually a civil war or, or, or actually a, or, 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 or just to, to win the culture war. Isn't politics sort of agonistic or combative by nature? And ultimately, one group needs to win the argument. The it's a the idea that everything is always a compromise between all groups thinking differently has never really been true. Mm. Maybe, yeah, maybe that's what they're doing. They, they they plan to win. They don't plan to persuade. They plan to win. Mm. I'm not. I can't speak for them. But is that a frightening thought? Do you think? Um. Again, it's understandable, and everything that I'm seeing and you're saying is looks like that's the decision that he's made. It's I'm it's not even sure that I'm that Jordan Peterson cares about winning. I think Jordan Peterson cares about money. Maybe I mean he's got so much damn money now that maybe it's more about uh his ego and um like fame or power. Yeah, it could be that, you're right. I'm telling you that dude that dude was pulling in 50 60 grand a month on Patreon for a while. He's a uh, a lot of people though they they never are happy with the money that they have. You know, they they always want more. You know, the the uber wealthy, the ultra rich, they they always want more. And I'm saying that, you know, as a sweeping generalization because it's true. You don't get ultra rich without always wanting more. And I think, again, at some point, maybe the money becomes about the power that the money gives you, right? Like, Well, yeah. No one wants money because they want to, like, swim around in gold coins. Right, or, or just that to go buy all the you bread if you or dived whatever. into that. Like, yeah, they're not like, oh, I can buy all the bread in the store now. You know what I'm saying? Like, not, my material <laughs> yeah. needs are extra met now, you know? <laughs> I'm disappointed that he's made and one that I didn't that I think a lot of, yeah, a lot of the people that I uh, have been, a lot of the people who've been following him and I've been tracking in these various groups, I think thought that he was up to something different. They thought he wasn't just a, a culture warrior. Um, if, he, if that's the, the role that he's now fully embraced, then that is, yeah. I, like why I the fuck it. would you think that? Let's talk about the- Like what about him? said that he wasn't a culture warrior in 2017. I just, like, missing from this whole discussion, actually, is, like, that he just lied. Like, they mentioned C-16, but 
They didn't mention that he was, they didn't even say that he was incorrect. Right. Yeah. Like lying implies like, you know, an intent or whatever. So maybe they're not going to, they don't want to ascribe ill intent to old fucking beef and benzos, Jordy Pete, but they, they didn't even say that he was wrong about it. Yeah. Media or heterodox media. You're shutting down rebel wisdom. Is that in some way an expression of disappointment at this state of alternative media? I mean, what should we be doing that we're not? Um, it's not solely because of that. The, it's partly because I feel like the narrative arc that I was following on the media channel with Rebel Wisdom is complete. Um, I, I don't really know where to go. I've got a, quite a few things that I'm putting out b between now and the end of the, the project in November, but I feel like the narrative art that I was tracking around things like existential risk, um, personal growth, and, and kind of heterodox thought is complete. And also I have, I do feel like the heterodox space itself became very, warped, especially during COVID. I've talked about the alternative media, this kind of concept of the uncanny valley between the mainstream and the alternative. We've got a mainstream that is not open to enough voices. It's trying to gatekeep the conversation. And oh, shut up. You get, you were trying to gatekeep the, all you talked to were IDW people, dude. <laughs> yep. Doesn't include enough voices. And then you've got the alternative, which will gatekeeper complains about gatekeeping, voices, but there's no incentive to challenge them. So particularly during COVID you had, because a lot of this became very heated, very weaponized because the information landscape or information around COVID was now had huge health implications. The mainstream not including enough perspectives, as, as you know, from some of, the pro some of the problems that you have with Unheard, but the alternative rarely had any incentive to challenge the people that they were bringing on. Um, controversial figures like Robert Malone, I've never seen him in, in conversation with a medical figure who's equipped to challenge his perspective. Other, other kind of people who became very, very prominent, very successful because of the narrative that they were kind of pushing. Who are you, who are you thinking about? Um, Robert Malone, Peter McCullough, um, some of the, the figures who, there was a whole controversy over, over Joe Rogan when Joe Rogan hosted those, those voices. And it ended up being an attempt to kind of cancel Joe Rogan. And there was the, the whole kind of racism thing, which I think so, was very cynical. But, but except that, why was uh, it cynical? <laughs> why was it cynical to be like, oh, he's also racist and has a long history of saying the N word on his show. That's not cynical. That's just the truth. Yeah, that's the truth. And it's a valid criticism. Right. Just because the first criticism was that he's platforming misinformation people doesn't mean that you can't like be like, oh, and I have another one. It's like, I can only go get a tomato at the store today. I can't also get some lettuce. <laughs> How am I going to make my, my BLT then? A simple fact of Joe Rogan hosting these voices, he's not equipped to challenge them, but then what, who is equipped to challenge them? Where is a place that's equipped to kind of, to, I, I don't think it's enough just to host these voices and not take any responsibility for the information that they're putting out. The thing is that they, the people equipped to challenge these people aren't necessarily going to be medical professionals. The people equipped to challenge these people are going to be people who are like 
ex- like conspiracy researchers and extremism researchers and people who understand propaganda. It's going to be people who people who have been watching the culture war, watching the anti-vaccine movement as it as it goes down. And most medical professionals don't have the fucking time to do it. The only ones that do that I know of, and and I mean, there are others, but the ones that are prominent who do are the people that work at science-based medicine. But you better bet Robert Malone wasn't ever going to talk to no Stephen Novella or, or David Gorski. <laughs> uh-uh. Yep. No, sir. So I think you have, there has to be some, we talked about kind of the lack of institutions. Yeah, not for nothing. Some- Chat just mentioned that uh, Joe Rogan got a $100 million signing bonus or whatever from Spotify. You'd think he could hire some, hire up some staff to make it so that he could be armed with the information that he needed to question people who were making claims if that was something he was interested in. If Joe Rogan were a journalist, his show would be very different, but he's not. He's an entertainer. His show is entertainment. It's not information. Like it's not news. His show is just entertainment. It's like getting your medical advice from like Rocco's modern life. I bet Rocco's modern life uh, during this pandemic would have had good messaging. Yeah, it would have. Yep. <laughs> kind of new institutions where we are challenging some of these voices. At the moment, the mainstream's just saying, we're not going to touch this. But once people get to a certain level of prominence, I think there's an, there has to be a, a need to kind of interrogate the truth of their claims. And I don't see anywhere that's trying to do that. Not in the alternative, not in the mainstream. And, and I don't see... We, that's I, a, I mean, not to you know, blow on herds trumpet here, but we definitely have been trying. Yeah. I mean, there is an editorial judgment you need to make on yeah. who you're going to invite onto your show, definitely. Yeah. And there were lots of people who lots of people suggested we should have on mm. during COVID and we didn't. And who? some of those people have become very prominent since. And, you know, you make a judgment at the time. Yeah. I feel ultimately that... You, you, the audience trusts he said that like that makes it a to, to a mistake those. though right like, just because someone eventually becomes prominent doesn't mean you should have had them on your show like what if they become prominent for being like a fucking nazi right and then I, you shouldn't have had them on your show and you should be fucking proud that you didn't have them on your show right i don't think he i don't think he meant that it, he made a mistake by not having them on but he also didn't say and i don't care if they became prominent i'm not going to have people on who are going to lie to my audience okay he's just talking about it like wistfully like oh and then they became prominent oh yeah yeah that's it's <clears throat> that's the thing is one of the one of the tactics that this whole sort of heterodox sphere or whatever they'll use because then you and i will have a different interpretation of what they said when we're listening to it and that way they never really said anything didn't he didn't say shit there then did he because you and me don't even agree on what he just said <laughs> we can we agree on the so. words that he said but we don't agree <laughs> on what the fuck he probably meant yeah and that's the point of some of this i think is to like obfuscate yeah those decisions and they might be wrong they might be right but if someone else like joe rogan or mm. brett weinstein or anyone else comes to a different view I'm happy to disagree with it, but I wouldn't, I don't think, ban it. I wouldn't, no. and I wouldn't necessarily even judge them too harshly for having come to a different point of view. I think that's the whole idea that you, you should be allowed different mm. people's judgment and the you know, audience will flow to whoever they think 
ultimately comes closest to that, the truth. That seems like a very dangerous idea, because if their view is you should, for example, inject bleach into your veins, then I think you very much should judge them for coming to that view, because that view is ridiculous. Right. And the other thing is, <clears throat> he's leaving out the editorial decision of who to put on, right? If you put on a bunch of people who have like one point of view, be it right or wrong, whether or not you explicitly endorse that point of view, you've endorsed that point of view. Unless you yeah. have them on to debate them. Yeah. If you just have them on to talk about their point of view, that's endorsement. Yeah, I'm more concerned with whether people are, for example, if you're hosting people from both sides of the argument. Uh, you mentioned Brett Weinstein. I had a quite um, difficult experience because Brett was a was a friend, and I disagreed mainly with the fact that he wouldn't host anyone from the counterpoint. He was hosting people like Robert Malone. He was asking questions about ivermectin and making very strong statements about ivermectin, like it was a 100% effective prophylactic against COVID. At very important times during the pandemic, he went on Joe Rogan with Pierre Corey, and they made a lot of statements about the effectiveness of ivermectin that I think have proven not to be the case. Now people are saying, well, maybe it has a small effect here or there, and there's an maybe argument. You would but, take it. But those, say, those are the people that are backpedaling from their initial position, you idiot. <laughs> Those aren't like the people yeah. who were like, hey, there's no scientific evidence for the, this thing being effective in any way against COVID. None of those people have come over to the, well, there's some small effect. No, it's the people who were out there fucking loud and proud about it <clears throat> who want to like maintain some air of credibility to the extent that they can. They're going to backpedal it and be like, oh, you know, the studies weren't as strong as I thought they were, but there does still seem to be something here, but yada, yada, yada. Those are the people backpedaling, dude. Those aren't like the fucking... It's not like Stephen Novella came out and he's like, well, it seems like there's some, you know, uh, some efficacy here or like, uh, you know, uh, yeah. Peter Hotez or something, you know, some like, like, you know, just some prominent um, virologist or something that, that was like, no, this doesn't seem to work. Please don't do this. You're, you're hurting other people who actually need this drug by, by sucking up all the supply. You know, the people who were saying that none of the people were like, well, you were like a little 3%, right? No. Yeah, the medical community, the only community you should be listening to uh, for medical advice, is continuing to say what they have said the entire time, that there is not enough evidence to say that ivermectin is effective as a prophylactic against COVID-19. So, therefore, you shouldn't rely on it as one. Right. <clears throat> and, uh... It was just, I don't even know. I, I can't, I can't imagine like sitting here, like these two, both of them to some extent have like propped up the very people they're talking about, but the, the, the way that he's, he's like, Oh, Brett was my friend and it made me sad. And it's like, well, I thought you were like, I thought you were searching for the truth. Not for, not for like a bestie. What the fuck? <laughs> like, I don't need to like, <clears throat> I don't need to have like a bunch of friends who I met because of this show. In fact, I think that's fairly unhealthy. I think that's the wrong way to go about it. And then you end up not being critical of people that you should be critical of. Yep. I think if, if no one ever comes off of your show, uh, upset at how it went, then 
probably you're just promoting everyone. Right. And don't you that you can't say that about me. I've left a trail of fucking destruction in my way. <laughs> I've fucked up a bunch of people who came in here thinking I was stupid. Oops. Here, which he was recently. Yeah. Probably. Would he still say it was 100% effective at, at preventing COVID? Yeah. Um, but he has not still to this day hosted anyone on his program. A medical voice is equipped to challenge his claims around ivermectin or or vaccines. I, I don't think, for me, that's not ethical truth-seeking. And I know Joe Rogan wrestles with that and does have people, try to have people from from, from both sides to, to a greater degree. But... But, but did yeah, the, I mean, no, 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 that's not true. Like, during COVID, the only person he had on was Sanjay Gupta. And Sanjay Gupta was not prepared for the fucking bullshit Rogan was going to throw at him. Yeah, I would say it, David's just wrong here. Uh, Joe Rogan is Joe Rogan is the problem, right? He's not. He is, he is absolutely part of the problem, right? Will make their judgments over the um, the actions of the people who are making the decisions in the alternative media space. But what I'm pointing at is there's no incentive for anyone in the alternative media space to host people from the other side. Their audience don't like it. There's But that's not true. The fucking dude, they fucking kicked the majority report out of the podcast awards because it kept winning. <laughs> and Sam Cedar will talk to people he disagrees with. He's like, libertarians, call my show now. What he means to say is that joe rogan's audience doesn't like it when joe rogan has someone on who keeps dunking on joe rogan to be fair that doesn't really happen and i would agree like a lot of these people in the alternative media space or whatever they when they have someone on who disagrees with them specifically the kind of people he's talking about that that spread misinformation when they have someone on that disagrees with them, they just get absolutely fucking dunked on. And then, yeah, their audience doesn't like it. And a lot of times their audience will be like, hey, I I think I'm not going to be your fan anymore because you're very clearly wrong. Yeah, um, I think that I think that the, one of the main problems is that they don't want to have when they say people who disagree with them, right? They, they're almost they almost all say it. They don't even like act like it's not true. They don't want anybody who's going to be combative. Yeah. They want somebody who's going to be, wanna, boy, isn't it great that we're having this conversation before they disagree. <laughs> and it's like, well, no, if I'm talking to fucking David Fuller, this isn't going to be too hot for either of us to be perfectly honest. I'm going to probably, I'm going to probably fucking absolutely wreck David Fuller, but it's going to be frustrating <laughs> to talk to him. Right. So I'm not glad, you know, <laughs> it's not one of them situations. Right. They especially don't don't want someone on who is who is both going to be combat combative and going to be right and possibly might impugn the character of the host. <laughs> yeah. By being like, well, I see this pattern of behavior that you're doing, and it occurs to me that maybe your character is poor. <laughs> so, like in in that way, I guess David's right here. There is no incentive for that for for the alternative media people there's no incentive for that so like 
What do we do about that? How do we fix the fact that you can rise to prominence and you can gain a, a, a huge following without ever confronting any criticism? You know, let's, how about we start with Tucker Carlson? You know, to be fair, Tucker has people on who disagree with him a lot more than any of these fuckers do, but then he yells at them. <laughs> uh, people on Fox News, the, the, the reporters on Fox News, reporters in, in like heavy quotes, those, those quotes are doing a lot of heavy, heavy lifting there. Uh, the, the pundits on, on Fox News, yes, they'll have people on who disagree with them, but when it gets too obvious that the host is losing, they just cut those people off and they never have them on again. Right. <clears throat> yeah. You're not, you're not going to go on. You're, if you're going to dunk on Tucker, you're go, you better, you better bring your best dunk. Cause you're only going to get one shot. Yep. There's no reason to, to ask them difficult questions. That means they might not come back on. You've got all of these kind of warping effects of the alternative media. I'm thinking through what you're saying. And I know exactly what you mean. And I, I understand the attraction of this kind of impartial figure or someone who was constantly open to the other side. I suppose in reality, I'm not sure it's about the corruption or audience capture so much, but people do become known for more one side than the other. And at that point, perhaps they feel that their contribution is to correct the overall discussion space by bringing a particular point of view to the table. Um, you know, if, for example, the mainstream media, every BBC, CNBC, any channel in the US are showing the same experts mm. time and time again, and they're just everywhere, what is the merit of bringing those people on? They probably won't come anyway. And if they do, you're then going to have a, a, some sort of discussion with them that might not go that well. Okay. Is that a realistic thing to ask, I wonder, of a kind of alternative media space that they yes. present themselves BBC-like or, you know, in some kind of theoretical impartiality, which, of course, is never possible anyway? Or maybe it's just more realistic to say, and as I keep saying, more human, to say that as long as people are kind of transparent about their vantage point, that's actually a more real way to conduct a public conversation where guests, hosts, editors are all known to come from somewhere because everyone has a view. We know that from every BBC journalist we see on their Twitter profile, what they really think half the time. And maybe that's a more honest way to have the discussion than this pretense at impartiality. Mm. What do you say to that? Yeah, I think it's true that the, the mainstream was always a pretense at impartiality. I think the rise of the alternative media has kind of shown up that the kind of view from nowhere affectation of the mainstream was always an affectation. I think that's really helpful. But that's because <clears throat> that's because that's their job. If somebody's doing like reporting, their job is to basically be like this is, you know, these are the facts, here's what's going on. There are also people who do opinion. We are an opinion channel. We're not journalists. So we're not telling you that we have the view from nowhere. So like, I don't understand. It's just a, a difference, <clears throat> a difference in like a difference in what you're doing. If you're a pundit, then you're a pundit. You're there to give your opinion. And if you're a reporter, you're supposed to be reporting. Mm -hmm. And newspapers 
have both and you know which one's which because of what it says at the top of the fucking page on the newspaper it says this is the opinion <laughs> fucking section this is the op-eds like yep or at least that's supposed to be what happens of course that doesn't always happen but whatever like perfection is a, a dumb goal so <laughs> it's kind of shown up that there was a if you talk about the MSM, which I think is an oversimplification, but there's some truth in it, um, that there was a kind of narrowness of the conversation. The fact that the alternative media has kind of expanded the types of views and types of perspectives you can find is fantastic. But what I fear is that we're all just getting siloed more and more in bubbles of mutual incomprehension. And that has an effect on the, the creators. The creators, I think, get trapped in a particular perspective and they then start not not seeking to 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 grow to learn to kind of improve their understanding and then improving the understanding of the people who are who are following them i feel that we're we're just trapped in kind of ever decreasing circles because that's what the audience wants that's what the the algorithms reward and i think ultimately that's a really dangerous dangerous thing because if you don't have we're literally in situation now where we don't not we don't understand each other we don't even understand how people can think the way that they think we're in mutual incomprehension and i don't see i don't see how a society survives with this level of fragmentation this level of mutual incomprehension and i i think it's i think it's worse as i said i think it's probably worse in america my experience is that the conversation is so much more polarized more fragmented there than it than it is here but i just i see it as a as a fundamental problem, because how do you have collective action to solve? We've got huge problems as, as a society, as, as a culture. And if we can't come to any agreement on what those problems are, and we can't even have discussions with each other about what those problems are, I think that's a really, really dangerous thing for the future of any kind of common purpose, whether that's democracy. You know what? I think we got we to cut it off somewhere for the pod. So this is uh, as good a place as any, because what he said is, oh, if we can't, you know, keep having uh, the, the discussions about this. Well, like at what point does the discussion end when we found the answer? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I do think he's, he's right in that. Like the problem here is the algorithms. Like the problem here isn't that uh, people are inherently becoming more polarized. The problem here is that people are being pushed to become more polarized by these social media companies and it's because more polarized people generate more money <clears throat> right if you get if you get people that are always outraged at everything they're seeing and they're always mad they're going to stay in that comment thread yep i mean i'm guilty of it actually no i pretty much now i'll be like once i once i realize that i'm not going to get anywhere with somebody i just call them a dumb fuck and don't talk and like you just don't talk don't <laughs> like i don't know the person right so fucking who cares but yeah also like i just you know he's like oh we have all these big problems and we could have let it roll a little bit but he wouldn't have mentioned climate change he certainly would have wouldn't have brought up the the rise in the far right and violence uh from the far right in the united states over the last you know 20 years or 30 years or whatever it's been where it's you know the fbi has been like hey this is a problem hey this is a problem not that we love the fbi it's just that they uh they tend to get it right <laughs> you know they tend to they're not your yeah. local police force they're not fucking keystone cops they're they have people like researching things that are going on in our society and 
so it's like you know it, for climate change we already have the answer we know what the problem is is that we're dumping too much fucking co2 into the atmosphere and it's increasing the average temperature on the planet and that is making uh weather more volatile it's melting the ice caps water the water the oceans are going to rise a little bit very slowly we're probably never going to notice it in our lifetimes you know maybe we are maybe we aren't but uh you know hurricanes might become you know hurricanes are more intense this last set of storms we had in california might have been more intense because of climate change you can never attribute one specific thing to it the idea is that we're able to attribute like a pattern to it yeah and the pattern seems to be in line with what people were predicting 20 years ago so it seems like we had the fucking answer 20 years ago so maybe maybe now we should stop sense making about it maybe <laughs> yeah uh <laughs> you are right in that he's not going to bring that up right but that's because like yeah like once you have the answer to the fucking once you know what the problem is now it's time to fix it he said we're never going to fix these problems well it's no no we're not david because you and your weird friends are just going to keep fucking sniffing each other's farts about shit that other people already knew, figured out the answer to. And to the extent that he's, he, he's right about something, the algorithm isn't interested in fixing these problems. In fact, the algorithm works better at producing more money for Facebook and Twitter and YouTube. If the problems aren't fixed. Right. Even if the, even if we already know the answer, that's that doesn't, that doesn't sell any ads. Yep. Well, that's been the intellectual dollar tree for the podcast listeners, live listeners, sit tight. HK, you want to read the show out? Yeah, we do this show every week at uh, 7 p.m. Pacific time on Wednesday. And you can find our other shows at echoplexmedia.com. And if you want to support the shows, you can support us at echoplex. Or, sorry, at patreon.com slash echoplex. Uh, this is Boomers by Periscope.
can't get enough Echoplex and want to keep the conversation going with the hosts and community when we're not live, then join our Discord server at discord.me slash Echoplex. We have text channels, voice channels, meme repositories, and a whole section of screenshots that we don't even remember where they came from. Come join the Now Space on Discord at discord.me slash Echoplex.